Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode. This week, we are very fortunate to have Andy's wife, Christina, join Andy, Will, and Devin for a discussion on coming home to yourself. Everyone in this episode offers some amazing insight, and I hope you enjoy it. If you want to support the podcast, you can always leave us a five-star review or go to the website LonelyMountainMystics.com and sign up to become a patron. We would also love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out via the website or social media if you want to connect. Thanks, everyone. Before we start uh, with some questions and some conversation, Christina, you had something that you just wanted to, to share and just make people aware of at the top. Could you do that real quick? Yeah, I just wanted to address that tonight's topic is so gorgeous and effervescent in many ways as we walk this journey of coming home to ourselves. Uh, and still with that lightness, there's also a heaviness because to come home means that we once weren't and that is deeply painful. So for all of us who are here on the podcast sharing our stories for anyone who is listening, um, just a reminder to go slow and take care as we explore. Because when we talk about coming home to ourselves, we're talking about, really, we're talking about knowing the undamaged us, the part of us that is at our truest essence and its fullest expression. So for me, when I talk about coming home, I'm also talking about trauma that made me leave in the first place. Yeah, exactly. No, thanks for thanks for saying that. Yeah, for for both of you guys um, as well. Just we really appreciate your being a part of this episode and sharing whatever it is you you feel like you want to. So I'm going to throw you guys a question, and then we'll we'll kind of see where things go. What are the stories or experiences that distanced you from yourself? I think part of it is is a feeling of welcomeness for me. There's a, a reoccurring feeling of disconnectedness from just feeling welcome and at home in lots of places. And so I think that translated into, into like, not feeling comfortable in my own body. You know, if you don't, if you don't necessarily have spaces where you feel welcome or at home or even safe, it's really challenging to not look in the mirror and be like, what's wrong with me? You know? And in that moment, the dissociation with myself took root. Could you tell, could you tell us more about what you mean when you say you didn't feel safe in spaces? What was the barrier there? There were definite places uh, where I didn't feel physically safe because they weren't physically safe. And then there were places where I didn't feel welcome. You know, I remember being a black sheep at school because I, for most of my younger, younger life, and even now, honestly, but in the secular world, you know, the non-Christian world, I was too Christian. And in the Christian world, I was too secular because I said things like, let's let gay people come to church. Um, so it was a really challenging place because I didn't fit in there and I didn't fit in here. And then even from just like a biological standpoint, right? My mother is Brazilian and my dad is a white American. And 
there was there was no place really that was like that. There was no one that was like me growing up in Texas uh, in the Latino community. I didn't fit in because I wasn't you know Hispanic really. Um, but I always felt disconnected um, from like white America. And then not you know never. I think I was ten or fifteen somewhere in that age range. The first time I went to Brazil and met like the whole other half of my family and there I got made fun of, you know, lightheartedly. It was nothing traumatic, but like the running joke was that I was a Brazilian who only spoke English. And so it was definitely like a challenge finding any space that I fit in, any space that I felt welcome. Uh, And then just there were places that just physically I never really felt safe in either. Mm. Just hearing you share that, that's, I feel the heavy with you. Yeah, it was, it was part of what attracted me to, to Christianity and to the church so much. And I actually have a, a poem that I wrote a few years back that was really near and dear to my heart. And it's something that, especially during deconstruction, it was kind of challenging as like questions of heaven and eternity and uh, Christ and Jesus and salvation as all those things started to come into question, feeling that disconnection with God start to really be tested, really brought back homeless feelings. But the beauty through it all is that no matter how, how much I deconstruct home doesn't seem to disappear. It feels like it might, but it doesn't because I'm finding new layers of God. I'm finding new depths in God. And then for me, and this has definitely started off in a really unhealthy uh, codependent place, but for me, my wife is my home. And she was one of the first places where I ever felt like I was home. Wow. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thanks for starting that off Devin and yeah I agree with Christina I'm so sorry for those experiences I think um, as I was thinking about this topic there's there's a lot to it there's a lot of directions you could go but the thing that was the thing that kept connecting with me today when I thought about that idea was like how early on for me I had to mistrust my own intuition like the idea that people would go to hell forever for believing the wrong thing i had this intuition that like told my body told my heart that that wasn't right that wasn't okay that there was nothing about that that was loving but like you know you're surrounded by you know a community that you've come to trust and that you see as authoritative and they're telling you a different thing. And so, you know, very young, you're taught that, well, my intuition can't really fully, you know, I can't really fully trust my intuition. And then you, yeah, you take it further and you start hearing ideas about how not only can you not trust your intuition, but you're kind of at odds with yourself. You know, your desires are something to be resisted. Your your wisdom isn't really what's needed it's the it's like the wisdom from up and above and beyond i'll talk about this more later but i would say some of the most healing work that's happened for me is to stop looking 
up and away for the divine and start looking within Mm -hmm. that like i i am a carrier of the divine that i that my intuition is deeply connected to spirit that like those things are actually meaningful that you know like you know these things that these things we would have looked to as like unbiased judges like say for example like people would have used the bible as like okay you know you can't really trust your intuition because like you gotta just stick to what the bible says and then you know the more you learn and the more you unpack as we've talked about on this podcast before you start realizing you know the bible is a record of human experience it's not in on some other level able to uh do things that we aren't able to do <laughs> um so yeah, I just I think there's there's definitely been like even just within the ideas of faith that we that we discuss on this podcast like like a uh, like a sense of mistrust for intuition I think was a, was a big loss for me early on. I um, mean, just caused a lot of inner conflict and pain and then, you know, by the time that you do, you know, by the time I I did start really trusting my intuition and leaning leaning further into that and seeing where it went you know there's a cost to that as well i guess it just sends you the message that there is a price for being connected to yourself wholeheartedly which uh is painful it shouldn't be that way what about you will yeah so i was going to say um so generally speaking any uh any story that estranges me from myself being able to grasp myself in a healthier way is something that makes me feel not at home. And also anything that puts distance between me and other people in a healthy way, I would say also contributes to that story that I'm, that I'm not home. Um, I was trying to think of specific narratives that I grew up hearing. I think we've kind of touched on it previously, but anything that later had to be unpacked. So the inherent belief that I grew up with that your body is not good that we are primarily and fundamentally sinful. Um, Even though I understand what people meant by a doctrine of sin, even learning more about that, you you still have to unpack and taking out the idea that you were, uh, that that you were just wrong from the beginning. That's been like a long journey. And that's, that's continual. I would say that's, that's something that I don't think I have stopped learning and you know, I'm over a decade into to thinking about this and feeling my way through it. I don't expect to be done with that anytime soon. That work is still on the horizon, which is which is why I like it, which is why it's enjoy, enjoyable. Um, and then also, I don't want to keep everything just in the present. So not not only things that estrange me from myself currently and from others currently, but any story that. I had maybe told myself that put distance between me and and others in the past. I guess to get a little bit more specific, what I'm getting at is anything that othered either myself or any, anyone else and trying to look back at myself in the past and, and saying, you know what, you, you were, you were struggling with a lot of identity issues. Um, you were struggling with, you know, feelings of fitting in, but you were where you needed to be. And I'm proud of you for for picking up that work because uh, it's we can't. I, I feel like when we 
think of the idea of coming home. At, le- at least for me, it's it's not a uh, it's 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 a bit of a, it's a bit of a moving target, right? Like feeling at home with myself now feels different than feeling at home with myself ten years ago. Well, and it's interesting too, as I'm hearing all of you share parts and pieces of your world and your story. It's so clear that everyone was in or is still in a sense of survival. It's um, you leave yourself or leave your body in order to feel a sense of safety. It's not a bizarre thing to do biologically, psychologically, physiologically. It's um, very wise and sometimes, as you know, Devin pointed out in the beginning, kept him very safe. And then at some point, it it doesn't work anymore, right? Like something starts to turn on for us that says, like Andy was saying, the intuition. You know, there was a sense of denial over that, that there is even a, an intuition in us at all. I mean, we were taught in the faith culture that we grew up in or entered into at whatever stage that one of the most important tenets of our faith is to deny ourselves and um, to make it about some higher being outside of ourselves. But what ended up happening is we built these walls between ourselves, like us in our current state and our truest self out of safety. So if you want a sense of safety in your life, you do anything you can to belong including denying aspects of yourself you might not even really realize are being denied. So like things you might deny would be that you're being hurt or that you're suffering or that you're deeply anxious. You might deny and bypass your feelings because we don't know what to do with them. We might deny our values. We might deny that we are actually more abstract than the status quo. We might deny our sexuality. We might deny our skin color, our desire, our pleasure. We might deny the condition of our mental health, our physical health. You might deny that you have need at all. Yeah, I absolutely do that. That was like a, definitely a place I did live. I still live there. I'm still working on loving my own imperfections and admitting that I have needs. And those are deep, like things that I, I left behind because I thought it was the right thing to do, <laughs> like to not have needs or to not have imperfections. And I'm still, I'm, I'm still grappling that with like in practical ways. Thank you for saying that. I think that's why I left myself was because I had need. And I grew up in a world where uh, childhood environments, um, faith culture, just really everywhere as a woman, as a child even, just to not have need. The message I got was to have a need is too much. And so, I mean, I'm a body. I'm a soul. I'm a spirit. I am a personhood. Of course I have need. It's glaringly obvious every single day we each wake up, we have need. But when there's this idea that feels so real, like it's a fact that I should not have a need, of course I'm gonna live outside of myself because that to me was survival. So everything I did was to look out externally 
really bounce all of my uh, identity off of what was happening around me and really mute myself, really go voiceless, really blend into the environment. I used to call myself a chameleon once I started to begin to wake up to the realization that I was gone and I was not home. I was like, I am chameleoning in my life and I'm starting to not like it anymore. And something clicked. And I, because at some point, doesn't it just like, at some point, doesn't it just go just far enough that you're like, enough? Like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't know. For me, I had a few of those moments where it was just like, okay. I, I think it really came with some critical moments of like mental health declining. And looking to my resources and my community and my faith structures and everything. And and there was so much bypassing. There was so much gaslighting. And I knew, it was like you, Andy, saying with the intuition, I knew that I needed help. And I needed help now. Just that, those words like, I need, I need help. And to be met with such a... uh, acquiescence sort of like, oh, you know, we don't really know what to do. And and I said, God, like I'm looking outside of me to get what I need. What I really need is just to know how to find it in here because everywhere I'm looking, it's not working. So, I mean, that's what made me crawl into therapy. <laughs> and I really learned um, from that particular therapist that I could trust myself. One of the things I remember the the strongest she said, you can trust yourself, Christina. And I was, my brain split. I was like, say that again? <laughs> I can do what? I remember the first time that I had the thought that God is like me. And this feels weird to say, because I was always looking outward and trying to be more like other people and be more like what they said I should be like. And then I had this epiphany and it was this was like two years ago (laughs) this is not like so i'm not like you know i arrived like with myself like when i was 22 no this was like i was 31 years old uh, about to be 32 and i had this moment somebody was sharing with me that they felt like i was a good dad and in that moment, I kind of took a second to pat myself on the back and think, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, in this moment, I'm being a pretty good dad. And then I thought to myself, if God is a good parent, he's like me, but better. And that was this really huge moment that I never would have allowed myself to even consider, even to think like, that's like, that's so sinful because in the church when we grew up, they were combating this idea of selfishness, this idea of greed. So because the number one sin was self and selfishness, they really only focused on denying yourself. 
And and I believe that there are aspects of self-denial that is very beneficial. Like last week, my family and I, we gave up TV for a week and spent the time that we would be watching TV just trying to hang out together, read, play, have games. We even took some time to pray and thank God for good things in our lives and practice having gratitude towards each other, towards ourselves. And that was really beautiful. That's a really beautiful expression of self-denial. However, I, like you, Christina, was denying even basic needs. Uh, One thing I'm picking up on from everyone's story is that the idea of coming home to yourself necessarily includes setting aside or overcoming the need for external validation as a centering piece of your identity. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but that seems to be a big, (laughs) that seems to be a very, (laughs) very big theme. Definitely one that I identify with, one that I've heard. Trying to think of like more succinctly how we can come up with uh, like a way to identify on the fly when you're acting out of uh, what what I'll call bad faith. (laughs) Um, Yeah, borrowing from a philosopher named Soren Kierkegaard, he would say living in bad faith, and he doesn't necessarily mean in like belief, um, the way that we would talk about faith, like growing up as kids. Bad faith to him uh, means that you are acting in in a way that is not in accordance with your nature. And our nature is to be loved and to be loving. So when we think about humans in relationship with ourselves and with with others, the the story of external validation, that narrative places like an expectation that we need to perform and behave in a certain way because we are not inherently worthy of love. And I think that as someone who works through this, that feels like a fluid thing to be in good faith and then to be in bad faith. Like I will move consistently through the two. I, I think depending on external stimulus and, you know, anxiety and, you know, whether or not I'm in a depressive state. But one thing I'd be, I'd, one thing I'd be curious about is if anyone, and particularly, I don't want to put any pressure on you, Christina, but you, you consistently seem like somebody who is very aware of themselves in a very healthy way. But if anybody has any ways of identifying that on the fly, because I can't possibly be the only one <laughs> that, you know, that, that feels like that from time to time. Yeah, I, so I'm really getting pretty cerebral right now. I'm noticing, so even this is a practice of embodiment right now, like I'm noticing that I'm having like a lot of um, thoughts that maybe might follow with better like story or feeling. But my initial thought when you're saying that is, So I have a running theory that I've been thinking about in my mind for years now that trauma is the reason that we reached for Christ or God to begin with. And trauma might be the reason why we stayed. I've only been thinking about it because it's, of course, it's part of my own journey and my own stories. But as I lean into other people's stories who are like, wait, I have given everything to this God and to this Christ and something isn't working. People who are coming um, out of a more modern version of Christianity or fundamentalism, they have these pain points that it it seems as if there was a piece in the narrative of Christianity, of God that fit the exact 
emptiness of their puzzle piece. Like, a lot of it seems to come from early childhood trauma, where there's a sense of feeling unloved. There's a sense of feeling abandonment. There's a sense of scarcity. There's a sense of deep need. And the Christian narrative really plays well to filling in those pieces, that there is a home outside of yourself, and there is a sense of love, and there's a sense of acceptance with this God. There's a a Christ who is willing to do anything for you. It can be so appealing and actually really beautiful and really centering for some time. The only thing, at least for me, is it ended up falling in on itself when the love didn't end up being as unconditional as it had promised. The security didn't end up being (laughs) there as it had been promised. It started to fall apart for me. And so I have this, I just have this running theory. I wish I could be like scientific, like data done and like research and anecdotal evidences that say like, yes, trauma is what kind of you know, entered us into the faith and maybe even had a stake and might even have people be there now. And that might not even be such a bad thing if it really is bringing them a sense of safety until it it doesn't work anymore. Which is why I'm here tonight talking about coming home to myself because I tried coming home to God and coming home to Jesus. And there were certainly times where that was absolutely the best thing as far as my brain and my soul could take me. And then it stopped working all the way. Really, honestly, when I started to learn more about toxic relationships and abusive relationships in therapy, I started to put together some pieces that, oh, this is actually happening in my relationship with God. So to your question, Will, when you asked what are the ways to check in with yourself if you're doing this thing where you're looking outside yourself, that's where I got really cerebral. And, you know, my theory that trauma is the reason why we reached for Christ to begin with and possibly the reason why we stayed. So understanding our pain points and maybe even our shadow self is an entryway into understanding ourselves even from the outside starting the journey of coming home to ourselves until it feels safe enough to be inside so even just doing the work to look at the pain points like sometimes it's too hard to be inside ourselves Bessel van der Kolk is a psychologist he's incredible he writes the book the body keeps the score and he talks about how emotion is stored in the body and so if we are not in practice of feeling our emotion even just sadness right even grief uh, even grief that people would say is absolutely right filled you lost somebody that you love we still struggle as a culture and even personally to let grief happen but if we don't have that practice it can be scary to come home to ourselves. that that's a lot that's asking for a lot So my suggestion is to start even a little bit more on the outside until it feels safe enough to be inside. So doing the work to say, "Mm, why am I in this faith? Why am I attached to this person who I know 
um, you know, maybe a relationship, a friend, a partner, a, a community that my gut is telling me something isn't right anymore. Just just asking those whys can start to bring up some of those pain points, which I know is really, really uncomfortable, but it can at least get us closer to home. And then what ends up happening is we have a sense of compassion on ourselves and befriend ourselves and see it from enough on the outside where you know it's like if you have a friend who's going through something you'll feel for them deeply you know oh my god but if you're going through it it's like oh there's all these um workarounds as to why you shouldn't feel that way and blah 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 you know all these narratives so it's almost like taking this stance of befriending yourself and I'm not advocating for being outside of yourself. We're talking about coming home to yourself, but I am advocating for the slow, progressive work it takes to actually truly come home to yourself and do it in a way that is nurturing to you. There's a book I read called Loving Like You Mean It, and one of the practices that the author whose first name is Ron and last name is escaping me, but maybe we can pop it in the show notes because Christina is right. The practice of just noticing yourself, noticing what's happening in the current moment. Like, like a lot of it for me is just slowing down, just literally like slowing the process down enough to notice. So like the author was suggesting literally set a timer on your phone. And when it goes off, it's just for you to know, I need to, I'm going to check in with myself. How am I actually? How am I feeling? What am I feeling? And be specific and or like notice my body. Notice like, like this is a very new thing for me. Like when I'm feeling a lot of distress or a lot of like anxiety, like Christina will ask me like, where do you feel it in your body? And I'll notice like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I, if I can name where I feel it in my body, it moves through me faster. Like I can start, I can cry if I need to cry. I can like take deep breaths and take care of that part of my body. So there are like small practices that we can do that actually aren't that out of reach, right? They're not, you don't have to be like some ninja because I'm, I'm, I'm not good at this stuff. Like this is like things I'm very, very young in, but like there's really simple ways to just like make sure I'm checking in with myself really. Yeah. I, I just have, I have one more thing I want to add really quick. Cause I will, while you were talking, I was like literally jumping up and down. I can remember where I was when I listened to, it was a podcast from Rob Bell on his podcast there, the Robcast that, kind of just reframed the story of like of the good news and he just framed it as simple as like you've belonged the whole time you've always been loved this there was never a deal that had to go down there was never something that had to happen you've been loved and you've belonged and you've been home the whole time and all there is to do is just wake up to it and to just and to just start living like that's true and that changed my life that felt like coming home to myself because i because something in my bones knew that that was true and knew that it was true for everyone and what a like what a what a better story to tell the world uh is that like you already belong you are already loved you are already in and there's nothing you could ever do to lose love it's here for you and 
all that's left is to wake up to that. Yeah. Devin, what do you have? So I've been trying to really go through and kind of sort these thoughts of how did I get to where I'm at now? Because one of the things about like coming home to yourself, it really kind of goes in line with what Andy's saying that Rob Bell said, but you've been there the whole time. The truth is, is that like, I don't know if I can identify a specific moment when I quote unquote came home to myself or I discovered a deeper layer of self that I really appreciated and enjoyed because really what you're doing is you're stripping away the things that aren't you. When you think of the metaphor of a home, it's a house that's been overtaken by vines. It's a house that has some loose boards that need to be replaced. So as you replace them, as you rip down the vines, you're not really arriving. You've cleared out all the clutter that was in your home, keeping you from realizing that you were there all along. So I've been looking at this in my own life. And one of the first things that I... I, I, one of the best steps towards this was exactly what Andy was describing. The first moment that I really started to, to let the idea that I am loved enter my body. I've always known that God loves other people, but the idea that God loves me is a really foreign concept. and was a real struggle for me. But as I started to accept love more and more, as I started to do things to love myself more and more, and ultimately as I decided to accept that God loves me more and more, those are all moments where it felt like I arrived home or I arrived at a new part of myself that I was disconnected with. So this is something that my wife said to me, and I'm going to do my best to repeat back to everybody who's listening. But um, for anybody who needs to hear this, I want to take this time to tell you that everything that you're doing, even the bad things, I just want to say thank you for all the work that you did to make it to here. All these bad habits, these addictions, these negative coping mechanisms, you learned all these because you needed to survive. And I'm really proud of you for doing whatever it takes to survive because it's not easy, but you don't need those things anymore. Those things are not who you are. Those things are not what you deserve. You are worth more than that and you are better than you believe. So it's time to put away these negative things that do nothing but hurt you because you deserve to learn not how to survive, but how to thrive in your skin, how to truly live. And so I want to thank you for everything that you've done, whatever it is, to survive and get to this point. But it's time to put away those things and it's time to get to know who you truly are and it's time to love yourself and to treat yourself with the kindness that you've always deserved. I would say one other piece that has been really, really helpful to me, and this is something I've shared a lot, so I won't talk a lot about it, but it's as we started checking the boxes, right, to make the right choices to be loved by God, you know, as we started filling those conditions to receive that unconditional love, um, to me, I liken that to nailing apples to a tree. From afar, it looks like an apple tree, 
But as you get closer, you realize all you're doing is killing the tree and it's not actually an apple tree. So once we stop trying to do the right behaviors and we simply focus on the roots, focus on our soul, focus on our health, focus on accepting love, which is the gospel narrative, as we allow our minds to be renewed, the byproduct that comes out is a tree full of life. And that... That's something that has been so helpful to me. Stop worrying about doing the right behavior. Stop worrying about checking the right boxes. Stop worrying about fitting in. Simply accept that you are loved, if by nothing else, than the thing that we all call God. You're loved by that no matter what you do. Accept that. Allow that love to really step in. As we have all said, find a professional who can help you unpack some of that baggage. And as you do that, you will discover that you can bloom and blossom in ways that you never expected. And that idea of coming home to yourself, it stops being a hope and it starts being like real. Obviously, I think we would all own right at the top that this is a prog- this is happening in real time, right? Like we, we're not like... And then they all got home, the end. (laughs) (laughs) So acknowledging that, acknowledging that, um, how are you feeling in the ways that you have started to come home for yourself? How is that feeling to you? What is that like? Uh, As we've kind of come around to this, I've kind of thrown out how that's largely felt to me, but just to bring it in, it's, the process of coming home to myself has been, has felt more comfortable, has felt more safe. Um, I've been able to trust myself more and a large piece of that has been able to identify the pain points in my life. Uh, the things that give me fear, the things that give me anxiety and being able to more quickly recognize the unhealthy thought patterns, the unhealthy behavior that were initially coping mechanisms to, you know, maybe, maybe to specific traumas in a large way. Coming home has been opening up myself to others, um, not adopting the expectation that others have on me, but to open myself up more to others and to treat them as, as safe. Because the majority of people really do think you're like an okay person. <laughs> Also therapy. <laughs> yeah, just like every five minutes, we just need to be like, also therapy. <laughs> no kidding. The podcast won't teach you anything that therapy won't teach yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that, um, so I definitely haven't arrived. Um, it's definitely a work in process. Uh I actually didn't mean to say that, but that is like a a quote that people use. Instead of a work in progress, it's a work in process. Anyways, um, for me, it it feels like more seats at the table. Brene Brown talks about allowing the negative thoughts that you have to have a seat at the table, but also allowing positive thoughts to have a seat at the table. When I was younger, there was a single voice that told me over and over again, I wasn't enough. And unfortunately, that voice got painted onto the face of God because of how I learned, because of the unsafe environments that I was in, because of all those things. But what coming home to myself feels more and more like now 
is that there are more seats at the table than just that one voice. So I will always struggle with thoughts of suicide. I've kind of resigned myself that that's going to be a thing I struggle with. But as the voices at the table in the seats at the table get wider, that one loud, very obnoxious voice is much more easily drowned out by optimism, by hope, by just self-security. And all of these things, that's what, those are the signs that I'm heading in a good direction and the feelings that I'm coming home to myself. And as these are happening, these now overwhelming, almost um, debilitating, not the right word, but it's pretty close to it. But these overwhelming emotions are no longer these overwhelming negative emotions that leave me feeling like I need to end things. There are these overwhelming moments of joy where I remember for the first time ever this past Christmas, you know, right after I turned 33, I'm sitting there. I hate Christmas personally. Um, and I'm sitting there watching my kids decorate the Christmas tree and I feel healthy. I feel sober minded and I feel hopeful for what Christmas is going to bring and how it's going to be in my home. And I just started crying because I imagine that this is what most healthy people feel around that time of year, but this was the first time for me. And so these are these types of experiences of sobriety, of mental health, of positivity, of optimism, of hope for the future are just amazing. And as I continue to come home to myself, learn to love myself, learn to accept the love that God pours out constantly and that we are never disconnected from, as I do that more and more, there's more seats at the table that tell a story about the future could be amazing. Hmm. Listening to you talk, Devin, about what it's like to come home to yourself, I, I don't share your story, but there's parts of mine that intersect with yours. And there is such a feeling of rebirthing, you know, to come home to myself is just like, it's like, I just got this picture of, um, you know, the movie Hook? And the, the kid is like pulling on Robin Williams's face and it's like, there you are, Peter. <laughs> I feel like sometimes that's, I look at myself or I sense something that I'm doing or I, something I will respond in a way that I've always wanted to respond. And I finally did it in a way that I really feel congruent within myself. And I will say, there you are. Like, there you've been this whole time. You were always there. And it's like ripping away the thousands of veils that have been put on top of me, you know, from the outside or self-perpetuated. It's like ripping them off. And there you are. It just feels like just it's it's almost wordless it's almost wordless I, I think the way it expresses itself is i'm way more playful and i've always had a sense of like whimsy and lightness but there's a sense of myself that is getting in touch with that i guess like inner child as she heals and grows and so there's a permission that i grant her to just be exactly who she is which feels brand new and that that is a delight. I mean, it's a delight. Now, I will say it's not without its pain points because, as mentioned earlier, 
be, and because it does feel like a rebirthing, it does feel like a delivery and a labor of sorts. It is, it is not clean. <laughs> it, it is not without its mess. It is not without the more <laughs> exquisite parts as well. It, but it is, it is to come home to myself is to be aware of the pain that I've had to endure and suffer and and to look at it, to feel it, to let it move through my body so it can exit and I can make space for something new to grow. I gotta say, I'm at this point right now where I just feel there are ways that I have come home to myself that have been really beautiful and just a relief and freeing and you kind of get that feeling like like I, I kind of always knew deep down that this is how it should be. Like I can feel, like I can feel all of the range of my feelings. I can be present in a moment and not be searching for something beyond the moment, but just really be in it. So in those things are beautiful. And then I will say like, I feel like really in the middle of this new phase of coming home to myself which is like at the moment a a total mess. So just like solidarity for anybody out there who is like, hey, I'm like, this is something I am am giving my time and attention and effort to and it feels hard. Um, It does feel hard sometimes because I think, you know, as you guys mentioned earlier, it does involve looking at things and being with things that have been traumatic painful or in some way damaging to your sense of self so I think honestly the hard thing for me right now is like that sense of like stuckness that it can only go as fast as it goes and so I'm like right now I think the way in which I would want to practice coming home to myself right now is just like showing myself some radical self-acceptance that just says like I don't have to be like even if I can like look around the corner and see like I'm pretty sure there's some development in store for me over the next months and year you know that I have I have some ground to cover I don't have to feel a sense of resentment about that I don't have to feel a sense of judgment that I should be somewhere that I'm not I think my moment right now that I get to practice is just radical self-acceptance I'm I'm okay right now, and this process is okay. I don't have to be someone I'm not. I don't have to be somewhere I'm not. And I just love me today, and I'm really proud of me. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening, and I hope you got a lot out of this week's discussion. Remember to check out LonelyMountainMystics.com to dig a little deeper. There are also a lot of resources, books and podcasts and such um, that will list in the show notes about coming home to yourself. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.